This is Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 1914, How to Argue About Money Nicely and Productively, by Sarah Von Bargen of yesandyes.org. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to ORD with me, your host and narrator, Greg Audino. I'm the guy reading to you each day from different articles that address relationship dynamics and how you can make the best of yours. This article today talks about money and relationships, how they intertwine, and how to talk about finances with your partner. So without further ado, let's get right into it and start optimizing your life. How to Argue About Money Nicely and Productively by Sarah Von Bargen of yesandyes.org It's 2009, and I'm standing in the tiny galley kitchen of The Garden, read basement, apartment that I hate, fighting back tears as I stare into the fridge. Two days ago, I splurged on an expensive ball of fresh mozzarella. Today, where there was once fresh mozzarella, there is now a plastic container of cloudy mozzarella water. That cheese cost $5. At the time, I was earning $16 an hour as a teacher at a nonprofit. After taxes, the cost of that cheese equals 30 minutes of my life. And my boyfriend ate it. My earns three times what I do, doesn't have school debt, wants to split everything 50-50 boyfriend, ate my special expensive cheese. It will not surprise you to know, dear listener, that what followed was an all-out, raised voices fight about money. It also won't surprise you to learn that we did not remain boyfriend and girlfriend much longer. If you've ever shared a living space and expenses with someone, you've probably had a similar experience. In fact, 57% of people who divorce cite money as the reason for their split. Of course, money is complicated. We all spend it in different ways for different reasons. These five basic steps can help you argue much, much less. Five ways to argue about money, nicely and productively. Number one, figure out which expenses you truly share. If you're on a family plan for your phones, include that. If you pay $30 a month for a basic plan and your partner pays $75 for something fancy, don't include it. If your car insurance is $60 and theirs is $200, again, don't include that. The goal here is to find a monthly number that covers the expenses you really, truly share. Expenses we truly share equals expenses we don't bicker about, right? It's those why do you expect me to pay for half of that thing that only you use expenses that lead to shouting matches? Number two, set up three bank accounts. One for you, one for them, and a joint account that your agreed upon shared expenses come out of. If you're not already doing this, this will end so many of your money arguments. When your partner buys a new mountain bike out of their account, you won't care. When you spend $150 a month on massages, they won't care. Having three accounts reduces guilt, resentment, and all those other bad feelings by like a million. Number three, have a conversation about how bills are being paid, by whom, and when. If you're in a financial position to put your bills on auto pay, oh my God, do it. Companies often give you lower rates if you do. If you prefer to pay bills on your own timeline, decide who will be paying and when. If you're paying the bills and you wait till the very last minute, will that stress your partner out? Do you prefer to pay bills as soon as they arrive? 
Do you know which bills come out of which accounts? No matter who's paying the bills, set a reminder in your calendar to look through your bank and credit card charges at least once a month. When you put bills on auto pay, it's very easy to forget about them. Also, make sure both of you have the login information for all your accounts because it sure sucks when your partner is in Yellowstone, unreachable, and you can't figure out how to get into the T-Mobile account. Not that this has happened to me or anything. Number four, agree on how much each of you can spend from the joint account without checking in. Can you buy $150 of champagne and seafood without telling your partner you're putting it on the joint credit card? If you've agreed that home goods are a joint expense, can you spontaneously purchase a $300 sofa from Craigslist? Everybody's check-in price point is different. It's just important that you figure out what yours is. And under the heading of obvious but I'm saying it anyway, it's always better to err on the side of paying for something yourself. You can always ask your partner later if they think it should be a shared expense. And number five, put the same percentage of your incomes into the joint account. When I started Yes and Yes, I was earning $34,000 a year. My partner at the time was a web developer who earned $80,000. Our shared expenses came out to about $1,600 a month. So it seems like I should pay $800 of that, right? But $800 a month meant a lot more to me than it did to him. So we decided we would both put 40% of our income into the shared account. That way, I still felt like I was contributing rather than being a kept woman. But I didn't feel resentful. If you and your partner earn about the same amount, you might be able to skip this step. But this is a lifesaver for couples with different incomes. If you're still arguing about purchases, try to get to the emotions behind them. It's easy to get angry when your partner spends money at the bar every night with their buddies. It's a bit more understandable when you discover that they feel isolated at work and their only social outlet are the friends at said bar. Or... Maybe your partner is less than thrilled by your recent purchase of one million candles, velvet throw pillows, and a crockpot. It's about the lives we want for ourselves and the things that are important to us. When we can talk about money with the people we love in a calm, respectful way, everything gets better. You just listened to the post titled, How to Argue About Money Nicely and Productively by Sarah Von Bargen of yesandyes.org. And thanks a lot to Sarah for this one. This post presents some good insight into the dynamics of relationships and finances, which really can't be understated to me. A particularly noteworthy point is the, uh, the proposition of couples, especially those with very different incomes, to contribute a proportional percentage of their earnings to a joint account. So this approach recognizes that money often holds different value based on one's financial standing. And for someone earning less, a fixed sum may constitute a more substantial portion of their earnings, and consequently their sacrifices. By suggesting that each partner contributes a percentage, the same percentage, Sarah's words address the importance of equitable rather than equal contributions to shared expenses. Equitability ensures that both partners feel they're making a fair contribution relative to their individual capabilities, thereby potentially reducing financial resentments. And needless to say, uh, that's highly important as so many relationships can be negatively affected by financial disputes or misunderstandings, as she cited, uh, 57% of divorces. So 
This approach is not just a financial strategy, but it's a great lesson about respect, understanding, and empathy in monetary matters. So I'll leave it there for today, everyone. Thank you, as always, for being here and making another episode possible. We could not do this without you tuning in and staying until the end like you do, sharing these posts with others, which we always encourage. It's all highly appreciated. So have a great rest of your day. Have a money talk or two. And I'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.